Welcome to the Recorded Internet Broadcast, a.k.a. The Rib. I'm your co-host, Tim, and... I'm Jared. And today, we're going to be talking about crossword puzzles. We have a website at recordedinternetbroadcast.com where you can find the notes from this episode as well as any things that we reference. So if you hear something that seems unfamiliar to you that you want to hear more about, you might find a reference to it on our website. So, Jared, do you know what a crossword puzzle is? I do. Uh, it's a grid of varying sizes. It sort of depends. And in the grid, there are some um, blacked out spaces and some blank spaces. And you can place letters in the different blank spaces. And the letters you're supposed to place correspond to clues that are given to you with the crossword grid. And if you are able to place the answers to all the clues correctly, then the letters fit both across and down, and you would then have uh, completed the crossword puzzle. Um, it often tends to involve like interesting wordplay or how words can relate to one another. And it's like a pretty common form of puzzle similar to like a Sudoku or a Ken Ken or um, this used to be those like encoding puzzles in papers. So it's like a combination of trivia knowledge and also the English language, like the interplay between how words can connect with each other. Yeah, there's quite a few different producers of crossword puzzles and some of them have themes or titles. Yeah, there's sort of all sorts of things you can do. The language obviously has a lot of variability to it. I have an example of a crossword clue for you. Mm. The clue is a campfire game without chocolate or crackers. And the answer has 11 letters. Wow, that's a long clue. Yeah. And I know some of the letters, if you need a hint. You already know some of them? Yeah, I do. Do you know all of them? We'll see. <laughs> okay. The fourth, fifth, and seventh letters are all B. Okay. I I don't think I know the answer to this. Great. It's more fun that way. <laughs> <laughs> so about a month ago or so, you and I were talking, I forget what about, probably like life and the universe and the society in which we live. And some sort of question that I either posed to you or said was, what is the usefulness or the difference between an unsolved crossword puzzle and a solved crossword puzzle? And one thing that I think is that a solved crossword puzzle isn't really that useful. There's nobody going around publishing books of solved crossword puzzles, because if you had one of those, it would sort of just be like a trivia book. Some maybe interesting questions and answers, but not really that fun to look at. Whereas an unsolved crossword puzzle, as you described, has interesting things to figure out. And this seems to be what most people like, because crossword puzzles are published, for example, in many daily newspapers like the New York Times. And people for, I'm going to guess, 120 years have been enjoying solving crossword puzzles. I at first wanted to question your presentation that a solved crossword puzzle has almost no value. But then, yeah, generally speaking, the challenge itself is the whole point. I would say that there is one particular use of a solved crossword puzzle, which you can see exemplified by a newspaper publishing the answer to the previous day's crossword puzzle every day. 
if there were no value in a solid crossword puzzle, the newspaper wouldn't do that. Yeah, it is interesting to consider what's the use of an unsolved crossword puzzle if you can never see its solution. I would like to pose a second crossword example clue to you. Oh yeah, let's do it. Here it is. English playwright David, known for Plenty, Racing Demon, and Skylight. And there's four letters in the answer. Playwrights, that's that's my area of expertise. It's a common feature of crosswords that they draw from many different sections of popular culture. That's true. Yeah. And I don't have any of the letters in the answer. Just that it, I know that it's four letters. Okay. Wow. No, I, I definitely don't know that one. I mean, my primary strategy when I don't know the answer to a clue is to do the ones that are across it. So in the context of a crossword clue that has no perpendicular crossword clues, I find myself at quite a loss. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel the same way oftentimes. Mm. But this is like, you know, you're riding in a car and someone in the car is bored so they're doing a crossword puzzle and they just ask you, you know, random <laughs> clues. Cool. I'm going to keep turning that one over in the back of my head. I don't really know what that means, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know we sort of just agreed that a solved crossword has no value or, or very little value to an individual, but I would say that as someone who does the New York Times crossword and and <laughs> I guess like has an ego about that, I do like that I have solved them, and I have a record of that, uh, and I don't really go back through and pour over the clues versus the answers or anything like that, but I think it makes me feel like I've proven myself in some way to myself and potentially to other subsets of, of my community that might also work on that crossword. Initially, I got into crosswords because friends were doing them. And at first, we would do them together. And I f felt like an idiot. <laughs> and so then upon practicing it and developing my sort of stored of knowledge and my ability to apply logic to the letters available, I now feel like I have some skill at that. And then I have this evidence of that skill. So I think there is some value to be had for that, but just in terms of having that as like almost like a social capital that you can share with others that are performing that same act and you can kind of say like, hey, like check out what I did. Yeah, I would agree. If I encountered someone who said they solved, you know, this many crossword puzzles of this sort of difficulty in this amount of time, I would personally be impressed by them. But even if I wasn't, I would at least know something about their performance and capacity at a certain task. Mm. I think there's an interesting analogy that can be drawn between this idea of the completed crossword as sort of like a placeholder for value in your community. You know, that this shows that I have this level of capacity. And I think that seems like oddly similar to money. What if you imagined there was a community of people where crossword puzzles were the currency used. In order to buy something, you needed to provide a certain number of completed crossword puzzles. So presumably there's some overarching something that's just outputting crosswords. You can always get an uncompleted crossword. And then if you can complete it, you now have what other people consider to be currency. Maybe they'd be different, you know, sizes or difficulties of crosswords that would correspond to different bills. 
But I think that actually like tracks pretty closely to how things are. You know, you, you go to work, someone has a problem, you work for them and you solve the problem for them and then they give you money. And so it doesn't seem that crazy to change that to like, you have an unsolved crossword and you solve it and now it just is money. It brings into question the value, as we had been describing, of the puzzle itself, like in its uncompleted form versus in its completed form. Because if you were living in a community where you can exchange a completed crossword puzzle as currency, like to get things that you want or need, then the the value of the completed crossword puzzle is vastly increased compared to the uncompleted one. Yeah, it seems similar to, to what we were saying before of just like, if you can show this to somebody and they agree that it has value, now that's a currency. Now you can use that to exchange goods. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good definition of a currency and agreed upon means of exchanging goods. Mm. And you're mentioning that this could have some similarities to our current society because some work that people do is a lot like solving a crossword puzzle in that it doesn't necessarily produce anything that people need, but Having done those tasks, people receive currency and then can exchange that for whatever they want within the society. Something I think is interesting about the analogy of the completed crossword puzzle to currency is that, from my understanding in in the United States of America and in some other countries as well, you sort of need some lower level of income to survive. And so if that's the case in this crossword currency society... If you can't do this many crosswords a month or something, then you know you can't pay to live. It's just sort of an interesting idea because it just you know given how much of work becomes somewhat arbitrary anyway, you know producing value for people that like have all the completed crossword puzzles and then they share them with you. The idea that it's like oh you didn't complete enough crossword puzzles this month, you're just gonna have to die. Wow. If that was the case. Do you think there would emerge in this society altruistic crossword puzzle completers who just like hung around in the town square and people could walk up to them and ask them questions? Yeah, I would think so. Especially if you were particularly good at crosswords, you might just say, okay, well, you know, I have way more than I need. I'll just give them away. Or maybe that's how you end up being a, a rich person. So then you're like, I'll give you these if you do this thing that I want. And then teaching people how to be better at crosswords seems to be of exceedingly high value. Because if you have this guy in the town square that's giving away crosswords and everyone's like, this guy, he is good. We like, he's a good guy. We're huge fans. And then there's another guy who's like, yeah, I'll give them away, but you have to like do some arbitrary task for me. And like, yeah, we don't really like him as much. And then there's another person hanging out in the town square that's like, I will show you how to solve crosswords. And maybe that guy's like, and you have to give me solved crosswords for me to show you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll show you how to solve them. And then later on, you have to pay me part of the solved crosswords that you figure out. And then also there might be a, a crossword puzzle bank that will lend you 60,000 solved crosswords <laughs> you can give to the guy. And you have to give them back one at a time over the course of the next 20 years. <laughs> One crossword at a time. (laughs) Yeah, it might be like that. Um, I have a crossword clue question for you. Okay. All right, here's the clue. Beatrix's protagonist. And the answer has five letters. Hmm. 
Well, uh, what comes to mind is I'm pretty sure there's a Beatrix in Harry Potter. And so my first thought was Harry Potter. And then you said there's five layers. I'm like, Harry. Uh, I feel like I'm wrong. Um, Just knowing you, it seems likely that you're not referencing Harry Potter. So then I'm likely to think that this is from a classic piece of literature. Okay. Yeah, you're like you're getting closer. Um, the Beatrix in Harry Potter is actually Bellatrix. Wow, crushed. Uh, Potter does have something to do with this clue, though not Harry Potter, and it is classic literature. Wow. Okay, so the <laughs> author, the one of the author's names is Potter. The author's name is Beatrix Potter. What? The author's name is Beatrix Potter. Oh wow. All right, so Beatrix's protagonist, five letters. You're gonna pass for now. Yeah, if I was if I was doing a crossword, what I would do is I would, I would put this in in pencil. Oh, you're gonna put it in I pencil. Would, I would put Harry, Harry. In, in pencil, okay. and then I would check the acrosses and and see like how that went. Gotcha. So I, I'm gonna stick with Harry in pencil. Perfect, because that's the best thing I've got. Whereas, quite frankly, for the other ones, I have absolutely no idea. All right, on with the show. Um, (laughs) All right, I have a question about this hypothetical community of crossword puzzle solvers and users. Who do you think would write the unsolved crosswords? I think it would be some kind of very large institution, something that's like beyond people's individual understanding to like conceive of, because if they could conceive of it, they could just become the writer of the crossword and then... They, they've immediately solved it. So, like, if the average person can become a writer, then this whole system would just, like, totally falls apart. Um, so then maybe for the, the early versions of the society, you know, like the 1000 AD style of the society, it's like gods. They just appear, and, and then we fill them out, and the gods give us um, the stuff we want, and that's great. And then later on, I think it starts to become something like science, like, in, but it, it would be more institutional. You, you just couldn't have human writers in this context because it would just break the whole system. Yeah, I agree. The first thing that came to mind would be that it would have to be machines. Hmm. Machines in control of the unsolved crossword puzzle writing. Machine science gods. Yeah. This is a good thing to have. And then another question I have is, so in this situation where completed crossword puzzles are being exchanged for all sorts of things, like daily services and goods and stuff, there will be some people who end up with lots of them, like the people who are selling the most things. What are they going to do with all their completed crossword puzzles? I guess the the goal might be to try to turn them into what I might describe as like a, a real asset. If you're like, every week I have to spend this many crosswords on getting food, I think I'll actually just buy land and have a farm, and then the farm will just produce the food. I would think that you would try to divest yourself of the crossword system if you could. I think that makes sense, yeah. Do you think that this system sounds like a Ponzi scheme? Wow, uh, no. Does it sound like that to you? Yes. What? It's related to what you just said, which is that in reality, completed crossword puzzles don't have that much value. It's only in this hypothetical society that they do. And like you were just saying, if you had many, many, many of them, you would try to exchange them for real assets that produce real things like farms. Somehow, crossword puzzles seem so much sillier than dollar 
that I'm like, yeah, I think I'd still just be like, no, 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 I'll just teach people to farm the land so that they also don't have to be part of this system. How do I not only divest myself, but also try to encourage other people to divest themselves of the crossword system? If I pretend that I do think there's value in the crossword puzzles themselves, I think it becomes more of being as altruistic of a crossword-solving teacher as I could be. Like, presuming I'm not spending all of my time on some arbitrary task that I'm bad at and, like, just barely scraping by on crossword puzzles myself. That's fair. I also don't think that it's really all that convoluted to imagine a completed crossword puzzle-based currency compared to the currencies that are currently in use in the world. Because one advantage that a completed crossword puzzle has is that it's actual proof of of work, of like human effort, basically. Whereas with with the currencies currently used, I don't see that as being as directly the case. You can generate money from activities that I wouldn't consider to be proof of real work. Yeah, <laughs> like typing on keyboards. <laughs> I love typing into the terminal. I type into it every day. <laughs> I have another uh, crossword clue that I'd like you to try to answer. Oh, wow. Okay, here's the clue. Tundra wolf's prey. And the answer has 10 letters in it. And letters 3 and 6 are C. Oh, I know. I know it. I know it now. What do you think it is? It's the, the Arctic hare. Nice. Yes. The Arctic hare. Wow. You've done it. All right. I have another crossword clue to read to you. Here's the clue. Neo's Guide or a 1967 psychedelic rock song. This one also has 11 letters. Who is Neo? What? That's part of the fun of solving crossword puzzles. Well, I'm assuming because I don't know any songs from 1967, but there's a psychedelic-related song that you had me sing that it's White Rabbit. You got it. Nice. Congratulations. That's two in a row. Yeah. Wow. Now that I'm seeing the theme of these, I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing how how poorly I've done here. Oh, wow. I really didn't get that at all. Um, all right. So we've discussed a hypothetical community in which completed crossword puzzles might be used as currency. And I can imagine some issues with the hypothetical community. One of which would be people who, for any reason, were not able to take advantage of an early education, especially in the English language, but also in arts and culture and science. The general sort of topics that might be used as clues in a crossword puzzle would find themselves at a disadvantage for their whole life because, at least until they got a chance to pursue such education, they would have a harder time solving crossword puzzles than others would. Another possible issue is that people who came from communities where the language of the crossword puzzles to be solved was not their native language would also be at a huge disadvantage because, as we've noted, being able to sort of intersect and fit words together is a, a main strategy of solving crossword puzzles. And you can imagine even further that if someone came from a community, for example, where solving Sudokus was the main form of currency rather than crossword puzzles, they would have to learn a whole new system using letters instead of numbers. Yeah, I think it actually could be harder to go between languages 
but be okay at crosswords, but not have a vocabulary in the new language, then if you already had a vocabulary and had never practiced crosswords. If you were creating this society where crossword puzzles were a currency and you were in charge of creating the puzzles and clues, how would you manage that spectrum of possible clue types? People of different ages and different exposures to aspects of our culture have different advantages completing the crossword puzzles. Would you use your role as the puzzle creator to, I guess, incentivize certain types of knowledge? Uh, possibly in some ways. I mean, I'm also not a machine science god, so it's difficult to imagine exactly how I would act as one. That's fair. Uh, yeah, how would you conduct your crossword making if you were the machine science god crosswords? I don't know. The question I posed to you was whether I would try to influence the types of knowledge people have, which is sort of unavoidable, but you could emphasize that or or not emphasize it. Hmm. And then another emphasis could be the the fun of it which might have more to do with the linguistic interlocking of words than the trivia part of it. And then also the sort of divergent thinking where you see a word in a clue, there's a very common way that word is used, but that the answer is a second or a third or fourth definition of that word. I think I might try to emphasize that sort of fun aspect of it rather than the knowledge-based part of it. Yeah, I can imagine if I was maybe the institution... Like the crossword bank, you're like, which ones are we going to give out more? Or like, how are we going to administer these? Someone could read it over and decide which ones get handed out and which ones don't. I see there being more opportunities for that kind of thing within a human-made system for that. Yeah, it also could be like the case that the crossword bank tries to influence the crossword writers to, for example, never have the answer to a clue be Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Just don't mentor it. Yeah. You can do scheme. Right. You don't, can't do Ponzi. <laughs> yeah. Pyramid, that's out. <laughs> Just get rid of shapes, actually. Just while you're at any, it. Any triangular no type of object, we don't want that in there. <laughs> um, I have a, a crossword clue for you. <laughs> okay. The clue is Aesop's loser. And the answer has four letters. Hair. You got it. It's like there's a theme to the crossword that I'm doing. I have another clue for you to try to answer. Wow. Here's the clue. Costume worn by Donnie's hallucinated being. Oh, and sorry, the answer has six letters in it. Six letters. Oh, okay. Rabbit. You got it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, if you missed any of the answers to the crossword clues presented during the show and you'd like to hear them, I will state them just after the outro. And here's the outro. This is the recorded internet broadcast, a.k.a. The Rib. I'm Tim, and our co-host is Jared. Our producer and editor is Juliana. We have a website at recordedinternetbroadcast.com where we post notes and references to all of our episodes. We have an email address, which is Recorded internet broadcast at gmail.com where you can send us fan mail. The Rib is also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and a variety of other places where podcasts are available. Thanks for listening. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, and here's the answers. So there was a clue that said uh, campfire game without chocolate or crackers. Mm -hmm. And 
the answer to that is Chubby Bunny. Chubby Bunny. Exactly. Okay, yeah. And then the English playwright, David, known for Plenty, Racing Demon, and Skylight, is the word hair, spelled H-A-R-E. And the final one was Beatrix's protagonist. And that is, of course, Peter, as in Peter Rabbit. Mm. And the remaining clues Jared found the answer to during the show. All right, that's it. Clap board. Clap. Pow. <laughs> All right, I have three more clues and then the outro. Okay. There's three more so clues. <laughs> clue Are you one. ready or should I do Here the outro? Uh, Here's the clue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, neglected corners inhabitants and the answer has 11 letters and ends in ES yeah dust bunnies dust bunnies yeah nice nicely done thank you thank you the theme is Um, really helpful yes I have another clue for you all right here it is (laughs) Wallace and Gromit's cursed interloper is it ten letters? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's ten letters. Yeah. Is it a were rabbit? It's a were rabbit. Nice. Nice. You're getting so many of these now. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the final, the final clue. Okay. Novice sliders swath. And the answer has ten letters. What did you just say? Novice sliders swath. Yes. S W A T H. Correct. It ends in the letters P-E. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you now. Bunny slope. Bunny slope. You wow. did it. Yeah, that was tough. Great. On with the show. Okay. <laughs> out out <laughs> with the, the show. Outro. 